Welcome to the Cumberland River Compact's River Talks podcast. By listening, you are becoming a part of our River Talks community. We're so excited to have you. River Talks are recorded live in Nashville, Tennessee at the Cumberland River Compact's River Center. Today, we are excited to welcome Tammy Sellers, a historian with the Tennessee Department of Transportation. She will discuss historic bridge preservation in Tennessee by telling the stories of several of the historic bridges throughout the state that have been preserved by TDOT. These preservation successes range from the only Baltimore Petite Truss Bridge remaining in the Southeast to an early concrete arch bridge built by the State Highway Department. Learn the stories of these bridges and the efforts TDOT has made in preserving these unique pieces of history that we drive over daily. And now, here's Tammy. Thank you all very much for having me here. And again, what better place could we be sitting in talking about historic bridges and when we have such an amazing example right outside our window? And we're going to talk a little bit about the history of that bridge as we go along today as well. Uh, thank you to Catherine and everyone here at the Cumberland River Compact for all that they do and for inviting me to come back. Uh, I really do appreciate that. It's always fun to be here. Uh, and so let's dive in and look at Tennessee's historic bridges, TDOT's historic preservation success stories. So how many of you all in the room know that TDOT has historians that work on staff? So we do, there are currently, uh, there's four historians that work for TDOT now, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what we do and how that is connected to historic bridges. Uh, again, this is a photograph that really resonates with everyone. I mean, who doesn't like a good controlled explosion, right? But as a historian, looking at these photographs, you also see part of the past is gone. Uh, for whatever reason, they, they could not be saved, they could not uh, be preserved. Uh, but, but this is a, a, a photograph that really resonates with everyone. And here's another example of a photograph that resonates with everyone. So in the mid-20th century, in about 1970, there were a series of bridge collapses across the country uh, that made the Federal Highway Administration, who's in charge of all the federal money that goes to state DOTs for their roads, uh, because of these disasters, they started looking at ways to uh, shore up the bridges across the country and for the first time required DOTs to start looking at those older bridges and inspecting them to make sure that things like this does not happen. Uh, equally as important, this, bridge, this photograph resonates with us as well because this is taken in Giles County. And as you can see, it's a school bus with the weight of the children in the bus could not cross the bridge. So the children had to get off the bridge, walk across the bus, and then the driver would drive the bus across. So we don't need that on our roads either uh, for the public. I mean, who would want to do that? So this is a little bit of an overview of what we're going to talk about today. Why do bridges matter to us? Uh, what makes a bridge, quote, historic for what we do? Why and how does TDOT consider historic bridges? And then we're going to talk some about TDOT's historic bridge preservation success stories along the way because the department does work hard to preserve those bridges when it's possible. So why do, we, why do bridges matter to us? Well, Tennessee has a lot of water. As you all know, there's a lot of water across Tennessee, over 19,000 miles of streams across the state. And we have over 20,000 bridges throughout the state that cross those roads. And TDOT is responsible for inspecting and look to, looking after those bridges across the state, all 20,000. So this map only shows the rivers and lakes, but if you could imagine the streams, the tributaries, all the small bodies of water across the state, the map would be blue because we have 
unfortunately have a lot of water across the state, and so it's TDOT's responsibility to take care of them. So early settlement, all that water, people had to get here some way. These are just some examples of bridges throughout history and the way we crossed water in Tennessee. Uh, the upper left photograph is a lithograph of showing a ferry crossing in Chattanooga. So before bridges were built, of course, they had to cross the water in any way they could. Uh, the photograph to the right is a masonry bridge that's found on Old Town Road. Uh, spanning Browns Creek in Williamson County. That photograph was taken in 1940, and the bridge had been built in 1801 as part of the Natchez Trace, uh, which the road had been bypassed, so no one crossed it by 1940. And uh, today, the bridge itself is gone, but the abutment is still there. So you can still see that bridge from 1801 on the road. Uh, down here to your left is a private toll bridge. And this toll bridge is a wooden iron structure with the toll house right next to it. Uh, this bridge is in Rugby, and it was built about 1880. And TDOT bypassed that road in the mid-20th century and left the bridge abutments in place. And another bridge is on top of those abutments from that bridge from the 1880s. And then to your right, when you think of historic bridges, a lot of people think of those covered bridges. This is the Bible-covered bridge built by E.A. Bible in 1923 as a private bridge on his property to get from one place to another. Uh, it was built by a self-taught engineer from the area in Greene County. Uh, and then it was made into a public road in 1940. And again, that bridge is still there. In 1987, TDOT bypassed the road again, and the bridge was left in place, and it has a roadside pull-off right next to it, and it's still a local landmark for those people in Greene County. So over the years, you can see people, the, the bridges that have been there since early settlement, some are still out there if you just know where to look for them. So why does TDOT consider historic properties and have historians on staff to do that? The short answer is the federal government requires state DOTs to do that. And it's all because of Section 106 of the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966. A lot of legal jargon here, but basically it says Agencies that get federal money have to consider historic properties and take those into account when they're planning the road. And they must give the public and the advisory council an opportunity to comment. Each of these photographs on this slide represent a surveyed resource that was identified because of a TDOT road project all across the state. We have tons of varied resources that we look at uh, adjacent to roads. There's the old copper road and old roadbed in Polk County. Flowerville Store in East Tennessee, the Lincoln Rosenwald School in West Tennessee, and then uh, structures themselves, the Real Foot Spillway in Lake County, Tennessee. But as part of Section 106, those bridges that are up for replacement, uh, we have to consider those and determine if they're historic or not. Uh, and since there's over 20,000 of them across the state, how did TDOT decide to do that? Uh, so historic, in quotes, for what we do is something that's either listed in the National Register of Historic Places or eligible for listing in the National Register of Historic Places. And that means that TDOT historians go out and look for, for historic properties. This bridge is one of my favorite examples of an abandoned bridge across the state. It's in Cheatham County. It's the Sycamore Mills Bridge. This photograph was taken in 2017. It is the only 19th century cable stayed suspension bridge in the United States. Uh, it was designed in 1891 by E.C. Lewis. It was bypassed by 
the, the road shifted and was bypassed in 1930. It became a local road until 1940. And now it's part, it's still a, on a private road adjacent to a, uh, a, a property. Um, so the, the thing that E.C. Lewis, not only was he the engineer of this, but you'll you may know, he was the person that was responsible for getting the Parthenon to be one of the buildings in the Centennial Exposition in Nashville. So he was responsible for that, but he also was a bridge engineer. So how did TDOT go about determining what bridges were historic? So like I said earlier, in the 1970s, the federal government said you need to consider how the bridges are across your states. And so by 1980, TDOT hired a historian, Martha Carver, and the majority of this work is off of Martha's work and research. She was a historian for TDOT from 1980 to 2013. So this is a lot of the work that she did with this historic bridge survey. Uh, but she embarked on a career-long survey of highway bridges in Tennessee. Uh, we identified 156 bridges in Tennessee that were considered National Register eligible, and it culminated in the publishing of this book in 2008. I have a copy of it over here if anybody would like to flip through it, but we also have online copies. So if you go to TDOT's webpage and just type in Historic Bridge Survey, a PDF of the book will, will show up if you want to look through it in that way. We don't have paper copies anymore, uh, but, but it is available online. The bridge to your left is one of my <clears throat> favorites. It's from Polk County. It's the Easley Ford Bridge, and it's an example of an open spandrel arch. It's over the Conestoga River, and it was built in 1923. Uh, and it is up for replacement because it is a, it, it, it's not holding up well because it was built in 1923. But soon, TDOT historians will be offering that bridge to the public if there's going to be a, a, someone that could take responsibility for it or use it in any way, we're going to ask people if they would like to have that bridge. So how could a bridge be considered historic? Uh, one of the main ways that you would think would be for engineering. And I'm definitely not an engineer, so I don't know. I can tell you what kind they are, but I can't tell you why they are what they are. So if I have engineers in the audience, you'll know more than I do, definitely. Uh, but for engineering reasons, this is an example from Scott County, it is a Whipple truss, and it's the last example of a Whipple truss in Tennessee and one of the last in the southeast. It was built uh, on the old, it's located on the old O&W Railroad line spanning the Big South Fork River, and it's actually in the Big South Fork National River and Recreation Area in Scott County. It was estimated to be fabricated in the 1880s, and in 1914, the Nashville Bridge Company, which of course, their building we're standing in, it's perfect to talk about them. Uh, they relocated it to this site for the Oneida and Western Railroad, and then the railroad abandoned their line in the 1950s, and the county took it over in 1956, and it's, as far as I know, it's still on the road today. It was originally a railroad bridge, but the county road, the, the county took it over and made it into a roadway bridge. Another reason bridges can be historic is because of the context in which they're built in for one of those broad patterns of history. And I'm going to talk more about this bridge in the postcard here because it, you're going to hear I have a lot of favorites today because I've really kind of given you my favorites of all the bridges that we've preserved throughout the state. But this is definitely one of my favorite. 
Um, this bridge in the, in the postcard was on the Dixie Highway. And the Dixie Highway is a talk in and of itself, and we could talk for hours about the history of the Dixie Highway. But the State Highway Department designated this road corridor as State Route 3 in 1917. And the Dixie Highway designated it as a route in 1918. And the state found that, quote, the unimproved route was steep, narrow trail, a nightmare to travel. And they, the State Highway Department designed the bridge in 1925 and let the contract. And this very quite large concrete arch bridge was built for $119,000. And it was started in October of 1926. It was designed by the R.C. Stevens Company or built by the R.C. Stevens Company and completed in February of 1928. And I'm gonna end our talk today coming back to this bridge because it really is a historic preservation success story for uh, the state and for TDOT. Another reason a bridge might be considered National Register eligible is because of the company that, that designed it and built it. Uh, part of the context could be that broad pattern of history based on the importance of that bridge company to Tennessee, to the southeast, to the country. Uh, just FYI, there were no major bridge companies originating in Tennessee in the 19th century, but there are a large number from the, the eastern United States that practiced in Tennessee and often they would have a plaque on their bridge saying who built it and when and where they were from. But that could be another reason that a bridge is considered historic for what we do. And again, I, I would be completely remiss if I did not talk about the Nashville Bridge Company because it, you were in the shadow of that amazing bridge and in this building. Uh, this was one of the most important companies in Middle Tennessee. Uh, and in the southeast overall and the, and the country. Arthur Dyer pictured here in the slide was, uh, he primarily created the company to build truss bridges. Uh, but in the 1910s, there were some issues with, uh, with building bridges. And so the company diversified in 1915 to add a marine department. So they worked a lot with, in the marine field. Uh, and over the years, they decreased their bridge building and expanded their marine department which means they, the company survived the Great Depression pretty well intact because they had diversified what they could and couldn't do. So, so they, they, they stayed around for a long time. Uh, in 1969, the Dyer family sold the Nashville Bridge Company. Uh, and as late as 1972, they sold the bridge company. And I think the company is still located in Ashland City today. So bridges are, these older bridges, these bridges that date back to early settlement to the late 1800s, early 20th century, they're disappearing resources. Uh, you know, we, we want to keep them, we would love to see them out there, but we also, as TDOT understands, that you want a safe road for the motoring public. You don't want people in peril and have that example of a piece of the bridge falling in the river. You just don't want that to happen. So as we start talking about the way TDOT works to preserve the bridges, the first thing we, we think about, you know, the bridge could be up for replacement. And if it's up for replacement, it's the historian's job to find out, could this bridge be rehabbed? Could it be rehabilitated for traffic, for pedestrians in any way we can? And if that's not possible, we do research. And I have some examples of the research that we've done over the years. But these are like the three R's of uh, historic bridge preservation that TDOT historians think about as they move forward. So one of the ways that we can 
preserve bridges is to simply abandon them. And this was pretty a po pretty popular practice in the mid-20th century to, to the late 20th century because it was more expensive to blow them up and take them down than it was just to walk away and leave them. Uh, so often TDOT could buy, you've heard me say it, we could bypass the road segment to straighten out a curve or to do something different and then they, the county would choose to just leave the bridge in place uh, where you could still see it from the new bridge but it would be there and you could just leave it in place. Uh, this bridge is uh, in Smith County. It is the Stonewall Bridge, which Smith County is about 50 miles east of here. If you're not familiar, it's where I'm from. So I've got some Smith County examples to give a shout out to my home. Uh, but it was built in 1907 and completed in 1908 by the Chicago Bridge Company. This is one of the reasons I think it's pretty amazing. The bridge has a curve on it. And my cousins would talk about when it was still open to traffic in like the 60s and 70s, how scary it was. It felt like they were on a roller coaster because they would be driving up onto the bridge and then they would have to curve onto it. So it was, it was scary for them as children. Uh, the bridge closed to traffic in 1973 because it was, well, scary and deteriorated, <laughs> but it's still there. So at 73 is over 40 years, almost 50 years ago, and it's still standing there. The new bridge was built, the road was straightened out, and so traffic can can move the way it should and still have the remains of this bridge there visible and you could see it and you can walk up to it, study it, whatever you need to do. Uh, another great preservation story uh, is the Hobbs Bridge in Lincoln County. And it is one of the few remaining examples of a Baltimore Pettit Trust Bridge, which again, I don't know what makes it a Baltimore Pettit Trust, but it, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> The citizens of Lincoln County wanted a bridge at this crossing, and so they built this bridge in 1891 for $8,000. So when it came up for replacement, TDOT historians, in cooperation with Lincoln County and the Federal Highway Administration, built a new bridge adjacent to it in 1987 and closed the Hobbs Bridge to vehicular traffic. But as you can see, there's no road on there and then two trusses that led up to the Baltimore Pettit were removed because that way people can't get to it. You can see it but you can't get on it and be dangerous. The guy on it in the photograph was inspecting it so he was not just somebody on the bridge. He was inspecting it but as part of because we did replace it we had a historic marker put up that tells people that come to see it a little bit of the history of the bridge and why it's important to the people of Lincoln County and how we worked to save it. This is a more recent example of an abandonment opportunity that I was fortunate enough to get to work very closely on. Uh, this is the Edward R. Talley Bridge in Hancock County. And if you were here in 2017, uh, I gave a talk about toll bridges, and this is one of the 18 toll bridges built, by, built in Tennessee from 1927 to 1931. This one opened to traffic in 1928, and it was the last remaining toll bridge still open to traffic in Tennessee uh, when uh, it was up for replacement. So in early 2000s, we got the, re the, the, the project that we needed to replace this bridge. Well, if you know Hancock County, you're in a very rural place with not a lot of bridge crossings. And this project in particular, see if I can find my pointer here. I don't know which one's the pointer. 
Oh, that's not it. The center button. The center button. Oh, thank you. So we had archaeology sites on this side of the river. You had some hazardous material sites from an old gas station on this side of the river. And within the river itself, it was a mussel sanctuary for nationally significant mussels. So you had all of these environmental issues and concerns, plus a deficient historic bridge on the road in an area with not a lot of roads, so they didn't have a, a, a way to detour through it. So for many years, TDOT worked to find a way to make this bridge safe and to, to avoid impacts to the mussels and the environmental resources. And what we did was we abandoned the Edward R. Talley Bridge and built a new bridge adjacent to it. Uh, because of the way the layout was, it's really close to it, but it was really a, a preservation success story. So TDOT painted the bridge before we abandoned it. We built a fence that you can walk up to the truss and look out over the river and see the truss itself, but you can't climb on it to potentially jump off or hurt yourself or anything like that. So this is a, it was a big deal for state government, uh, for the local government. This is uh, former Commissioner Schroer speaking at the opening of the old bridge. And you can see uh, opening of the new bridge, but you can see the old bridge is, is being taken care of underneath all of that. And, and so we fixed it where hopefully it can stand a very long time in its place so people can understand and know the history of that area and what toll bridges meant to the area. Uh, I, I would be completely remiss if I didn't say, you know, these abandoned bridges or any of our bridges are uh, at the mercy of nature. So we're all familiar. We all remember the flood of 2010 in Middle Tennessee. Uh, this, this bridge is a 1913 bridge on the Duck River just outside of Hickman County. It's just outside of Centerville. It had been abandoned for many, many years, withstood many, many, many storms and water events. But after the flood of 2010, that's what happened to this, this historic structure. Uh, it just could not withstand the, the pressures of all of that water. So again, abandonment is a great way to keep something out there, but again, it, it, can't, it doesn't last forever always. Better, to me, better than abandonment is let's find a way to figure out how to use this bridge again. Let's give it a second life and see if we can do that in, as part of uh, the Section 106 process. Uh, the first thing historians like to do is reuse that bridge on its existing location, because if you move a historic structure from its historic place, it loses part of that history. It doesn't make sense anymore to move it around. It, it's not connected. Uh, and this is one a, a great example. This bridge was built in 1887. Uh, and it was located at Hyde's Ferry in Davidson County. So it originally started its life in Davidson County, but in 1917, the county gave this bridge to the Nashville Bridge Company to move because truss bridges are movable. You can pick them up, you can put them somewhere else. So the county reused one of the trusses and then this one, the Nashville Bridge Company stored until 1924. And then in 1924, uh, there was a need for a bridge like this, and it fit the crossing, uh, which is in today Rock Island State Park in Warren County, but at the time it was near 
the Great Falls Dam hydroelectric area. So uh, in, in a TVA area that they took over, the TV, TVA took over the area until 1982. So you had this bridge with traffic until 1982, and it was a state route that, that people would drive over to go through the park. Uh, the state decided to build a new bridge next to it in 1986, and TDOT, TDEC, the State Historic Preservation Office, and FHWA worked together to find a new life for this bridge. And it became a pedestrian bridge within Rock Island State Park. Uh, it's still there. The last time I was there, I think it had some barricades on each end, so I'm not sure it's part of their walking trail, but that was the original intent of this project, was to make it part of the walking trail in Rock Island State Park. Another great example of adaptive reuse on its existing location is the beautiful Shelby Street Bridge. Uh, in 1905, Davidson County began exploring the possibility of building another bridge across the Cumberland to connect East Nashville to downtown Nashville. And almost immediately, dissension among business owners and the local government happened. They wanted two bridges. So the, the business owners wanted the bridge at this location at the foot of Broadway where they could be closer to their business. And then the people of East Nashville wanted one further north that would help connect them better. So the county decided to build two bridges. Uh, this bridge was originally called the Sparkman Street Bridge uh, when it was built in 1905. 1909 actually it was opened in 1909 and then as part of that same thing the Jefferson Street Bridge was built at the same time but that bridge has been demolished and it was demolished in the 1990s uh, it was just north of the Woodland Street Bridge but the Sparkman Street Bridge opened on July 4th 1909 and of course I'm sure you're all from Nashville and dr had driven across it many many years uh, in the 1990s the bridge, uh, TDOT determined that the bridge would be in need of replacement. And thanks to the forethought of Metro government, uh, they worked with TDOT and the Federal Highway Administration to find a way to save this bridge. And what an amazing adaptive reuse and save that it actually is. Uh, it, this bridge closed to vehicular traffic in 1998 and was renovated as part of the Metro Greenway system and it reopened in 2003 and what a great, great asset to the city that they reused this beautiful structure. You have a lot of events and everything taking place over that bridge. Another preservation opportunity is to move a bridge. Like I said earlier, trusses are movable. They can go live in different places. And so if you can't find a use for it where it was originally built, you look for a way to reuse it somewhere else, which is one of the most successful things that we could do. This little bridge is the Buena Vista Ford Bridge, and it came from Smith County. It was built in 1907, and forgive the grainy photographs, but this was moved in, in 1986. So we, we, we get what we get. So it was moved from Smith County to Loudoun County. So the bridge got to move about 130 miles to its new home. Uh, you had a huge convoy to deal with the moving of the bridge. And then you have another photograph of its new use in a park. Uh, this photograph was taken in 2002 or three with a much younger version of me in there. <laughs> as we're walking across the bridge in its new home at its new place. But again, the bridge survived and people can interpret it and understand the history of it from its new location. 
This is another opportunity for that adaptive reuse. This is the Scott Fitzhugh Bridge over the Tennessee River at Paris Landing. It was another one of those toll bridges that uh, we've talked about before uh, that was built as part of that special bridge program. It was completed in 1930 and uh, it was named for Scott Fitzhugh who was a, uh, the person that lobbied to get that crossing on the Tennessee River to replace ferries in the area. The way it was adaptively reused when it came up for replacement in 1993, the local government and a park nearby requested that they have, could they have a piece of the trust to keep and interpret. So this, because of this grassroots movement, one of the trusses from that giant bridge was moved to a park nearby. It's used as a picnic pavilion and it overlooks the place it used to live on the river. So you can see the new bridge just from this bridge. So it again, it stayed in its place uh, and it can be interpreted and people can understand that that's, that's where it was. Uh, rehabilitation is another great preservation opportunity. Uh, this is again, shout out to Smith County. This is the Cordell Hull Bridge, which was uh, built in 1934. And it had been uh, very much needed in the area. The local newspaper said that the Carthage Bridge was, quote, going to be tall and handsome and one of the greatest improvements that has come to Smith County in a very, very long time. So when this bridge was constructed, it was state-of-the-art for the community. It, it was one of the main crossing or the only crossing into Carthage from South Carthage. Uh, and then, it, uh, like all things, it needed, it needed some help. And by the, the mid-2000s, the late 18, 1980s and 1990s, the bridge was replaced with a new bridge on new location. And this old bridge just kind of sat there for a while. And, and no one really improved it, di did anything. And then finally, they, they closed it to vehicular traffic. And then in the early 2000s, uh, TDOT decided to rehabilitate this bridge to give another crossing over into Carthage, and this is their rehabilitation at work. Uh, the TDOT photographer flew across it to take pictures to document that rehabilitation, and it was reopened in 2013, and it's beautiful and lovely, and I cross it often as I, when I go home. And just recently, uh, a Tennessee Historical Commission marker was put up to commemorate the history of that bridge. So when people drive across it, they'll understand and know what it meant to the community and uh, how it's been preserved. Another great rehabilitation story comes from East Tennessee, and this is the Henley Street Bridge. Uh, it was built between 1930 and 1932. Uh, if you're familiar with it, it has six concrete arches that cross the Tennessee River in downtown Knoxville. And it was described as, quote, the gateway for millions who will turn their faces toward the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, park because it was erected at about the same time the National Park was designated in, in, the, in the mountains. This bridge came up for replacement, and TDOT decided to rehabilitate it and uh, continue to make it a landmark across the Tennessee River. This is a series of photographs of the rehabilitation of the bridge. During the rehab, the uh, TDOT documented it, the contractor documented it with time-lapse photographs to show you what, what they had to do. So they had to basically, if you can see the, the center one on the bottom, they had to tear it all, all the old concrete out. They took it down to the very arches and then they had to, to work to, to build it back up. 
This is another example of the rehabilitation. Again, it's that ubiquitous covered bridge. We have four wooden covered bridges left in the state of Tennessee, and this is one of them. This is the Parks covered bridge, or I'm sorry, this is the Harrisburg covered bridge in Sevier County. Uh, it's been at this location since the mid-1800s. And in the 1970s, this bridge had deteriorated to the point where the local, local officials were thinking they would demolish it. But again, because of a grassroots effort, the Great Smokies chapter and the Spencer Clack chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution raised money uh, for repairs and to have it listed in the National Register. And those repairs lasted until 1983 when the county renovated it. And then again in 2004, uh, the county received or TDOT received a National Historic Bridge Preservation Program grant from the Federal Highway Administration and they rehabbed the structure to what it looks like on the right. It was completed in 2004 and one of the main changes, if you'll see in the before, it's like that rehab show always has a before and after. You have this random pier in the bottom that they put in uh, at one of the renovations to hold it up because it was in that bad of shape. Well, part of the rehab was to bring it back to what it, more closely what it looked like originally. So that pier is gone down there and, and the other piers have been shored up and, and uh, are there to uh, keep it standing. So that, that middle pier was not needed. So that was one of the key pieces of that rehabilitation. And then finally, we're going to circle back around to probably one of the best uh, preservation stories that, that TDOT has. This is that, uh, the, an actual photograph of the bridge in the postcard. This road was originally on the Dixie Highway in rural Cobb County, Tennessee, so people would take it on their, their trek around. It's on State Route 9, um, and between December 1922 and 1924, the state built this 16-foot uh, built a road up to this area and then um, the state designed this bridge in 1925 again for $119,000 it was constructed and it was opened in 1926 and to me it, it's the cover of our historic bridge survey uh, I, I think it's a ubiquitous bridge for TDOT because it was one of the early bridges that TDOT designed as the state highway department and had constructed it was on the road uh, and by 2005, the bridge did not meet current design standards. Things changed over the years. The bridge railing needed to be a certain way. The width of the lanes needed to be a certain width. Uh, and so this bridge came up for replacement. Of course, it, it was near and dear to Martha Carver's heart because it is the cover of our bridge survey. It really represents TDOT well. And so she worked with the director of structures at the time and uh, lobbied to have it rehabbed instead of replaced. So we could have easily torn it down and built a concrete deck bridge in its location, but because of her work, uh, the rehab project started in 2015. Uh, it was, again, much like Henley Street, it was an extensive rehab because the concrete had deteriorated so much, but they had to take it down to the arches and build it back up. And that's what it looks like today. It is uh, absolutely beautiful. It was, the rehab was completed in 2014. It, this, this, uh, the French Broad River that it crosses is uh, home to a lot of canoers, a lot of kayakers. People use this water as a recreation area. So it's really just an amazing bridge to 
cross under as you're floating on the river or paddling on the river. Uh, one of the unique things that we did to make it pretty much look like it used to, but be up to current standards are the bridge railing had to be specially designed. So they would look old, but they would meet those, those crash testings, those, uh, the, the, the way they, they should work on the, the highway department. Um, so this is just a, a, a small snapshot of the preservation success stories that TDOT uh, has had over the years. We, the historians are always looking at ways to rehabilitate, to reuse those bridges, and if the very, if you can't save them, then we work to do research to find out more of the history, to provide that to the public. Um, just this week, actually, it was the perfect ending to this presentation, and he didn't even know what he was doing. Our current director of structures stopped me after a meeting and said, you know that concrete arch bridge? And he couldn't even tell me where it was, but he drew it, and I knew which one it was. He's like, this is up for replacement, but I want to make it the sidewalks. I want to build a new bridge next to it and make this old bridge a pedestrian bridge for the people of Sullivan County. And so we are, TDOT is always working to find unique and creative ways to continue to save these historic structures. Um, so that ending on a high note, because another one is going to be preserved. So this is just a little bit of snapshot, but I have plenty of time for questions. If you all have any, if you ask an engineering question, I'm going to apologize in advance because I don't know. Where is the Sullivan County Bridge you just mentioned? It's in town. It's in Kingsport. It's an open spandrel arch, I believe, and there's, it's a one-way pair now. So we've already put two lanes of traffic on a new bridge and we repaired the, the concrete arch bridge a few years ago, but then it came up for replacement again. And so we're gonna do another pair and then keep this one as the sidewalks is what the plan is currently. So you may have built it. Could be, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> yes, sir. Do all the historic bridges have plaques on them signifying that they're historic? No, 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 sir. Um, some don't even have the historic, like the, the plaques get taken off over the years. So like even with the bridge company plaques that were put on there, people have stolen them, taken them down. But no, that we, TDOT would know if it's historic or the historic bridge survey that's online can tell you if it's historic for what we do. They're all, I mean, to me, they're all important and they all tell our history, but historic for what we do has special criteria that the federal government has to agree with. Yes, sir. You mentioned the Rock Island change of pedestrian bridge. The bridge that used to be over the Great Falls Dam, are they going to reopen that or are they, is that closed permanently there at Rock Island? I, that's I, I don't know. The last time I was there, it was it was closed, but it's been of yeah, several it's years. years. But but TDEC is looking at doing a renovation of the the Great Falls Dam, the the building that's right next yeah. to the dam. So that they may have a plan to work on that as well. But I'm not sure how far that's gone into the process. Yes, sir. Thank you for such a wonderful talk and beautiful pictures and. Um, I wonder if now we're moving into a phase where more rehabilitation is happening. Was there a phase for a series of decades where there wasn't? And I'm thinking about the example of the Ashland City Bridge. Yeah. That was a nice trust bridge and uh, it just came down. Could it have ever been used? Like in hindsight, would we have kept that one? Well, 
so to, to kind of, I don't want to get too deep into what the regulations are, but because the federal government wants a safe, safe bridges for everyone, they kind of, they don't make it easy to save them. But if we, even if we know it's not something that TDOT can rehab and fix, we have a, a, mailing, a mailing list for everyone in the state that's ever mentioned that they might like a historic bridge. So we offer it to the public and send them information. So like if the local government had wanted that bridge and had a use for it, just like Nashville did this one, we could have worked with them through this process so they could save it. Now, bridges are expensive and there's a lot of liability and maintenance that are required of them. So that sometimes keeps local governments uh, from being able to, to take those on and do it because TDOT can't maintain both of them because of the federal requirements. And so, but we, we try, the historians try. We send that out to everyone. There's a link on our webpage. But again, if it's a giant truss bridge, it's just so expensive. The little ones seem to be the best fit for, for finding a home. But we have people from other states contact us too. We have somebody called our office, two or three people in the last year, hey, do you have any bridges that you might be up for replacement because we might need one in this park and we, we, would, we would try to, to give it to them if we could, just to save the bridge. It might also have been like the Cumberland being so wide, it wasn't space on both sides to, to keep both bridges out of that pedestrian use is such nice. But if someone had wanted it, TDOT would have worked with them to find a design that could help them keep it. I just think it, they're just such big, beastly structures that they're just hard to, you know, to deal with, like I've, I've worked, tried to work with the city of Chattanooga in the early 2000s and we got prices on floating one of the trusses down the river from where it was originally to get it to Chattanooga so they might be able to use it. So it's like all of these pieces and parts have to fall into place. What determines when a bridge is a toll bridge? Well, in Tennessee, we don't have any toll bridges. Uh, currently, but uh, the toll bridge program started in the 1920s and the state legislature said you can build, I believe it was 23 that we got, that, that the state highway department got permission to build and we only built 18 of them. And since then there are no toll bridges in Tennessee. Uh, but the toll bridge study is up here if you want to take a quick look at it and it's available online through TDOT's webpage, so you can kind of see the history of that program. But it was called the Special Bridge Program. And that's the only time I'm aware of that Tennessee had toll bridges. Yes, sir. Do you deal with railroad bridges? We do not. We only deal with highway bridges. Um, and that, that's the distinction for us. It's got to have that, that road history attached to it for us to, to, to work with. Yes, ma'am. Well, this one in particular, uh, we worked very carefully with, we have compliance people that work within the environmental division that go out and on, have inspections on site to make sure that when you take those pieces down, the contractor is, is following <coughs> TDOT's commitments to make sure that they, they don't harm the river. 
Uh, I think on this one, I think it was, it was challenging, and I don't know the full story of it because once we get it to a certain point, those compliance people take over to make sure that everything our ecologists and, and everyone have committed to get followed through on the process, uh, as in the construction process. But I know they, they make sure those commitments are followed through and knowing that you have to stay out of the water. The one in Hancock County that I showed you where we abandoned that one and we couldn't get in because of the mussels, we had to build a concrete bridge that spanned the water and stayed out of the water completely. So there's other people within our division deal with the natural environment and, and have those commitments put in place beforehand. Yes, sir. Sorry for asking another question, but um, that's such a beautiful example uh, is there a way to make those slab bridges more aesthetically pleasing? Yeah, like add some of the historical components, like the Ashland City Bridge, if they made it a little bit like the old bridge. Um, we do have aesthetic treatments for bridges that we do, especially in historic districts. TDOT can, can do that as mitigation. The local government, if they want to pay more money, can make it look different. If they, you know, it's all money. And then one of... One of my favorite structures directors who's now retired, when I said something about make a bridge a pretty bridge, and he said, all my bridges are pretty. <laughs> so pretty is in the eye of the beholder, because he thought his concrete slab bridges were pretty. So, yes. How many bridges cross just the Cumberland in Tennessee? That I don't know, but that's a great question. I apologize for not knowing that answer. Yes, ma'am. I have a question about when you have um, local governments that are already um, conferring for funding anyway, um, what do you do in situations where you, where you have a, a government that would rather demolish it and build a new bridge to not have to pay for the upkeep of, of a historic structure that needs more regulation? Well, my we, TDOT, if we're replacing it with federal dollars, the federal government requires us to look for, to offer it to the public. So even if you have a local government that doesn't want it, we're required by the Federal Highway Administration to ask the questions and to find ways to see if we can re rehabilitate it anyway. Uh, if it's a TDOT bridge, if we can offer it to the public to give it a new home, to give it a new use, the federal government requires us to do that. So. It, Having local government support is incredibly helpful, absolutely, but we have to do certain things to get those federal dollars. So we have to consider that no matter what, which may be the, the Buena Vista Four Bridge that went to a new home is a great example because I'm sure Smith County couldn't take on that, that cost that, you know, but Loudoun County needed it and they took it. So that's, that's the opportunity there. Four trusses, of course, concrete arches can't move. So they're kind of in place. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed hearing from this week's speaker. Thanks for listening. We are able to keep River Talks free thanks to the generosity of our supporters and sponsors. Your donations truly help us achieve our mission. We want to be sure to thank all of our individual supporters and of course our sponsors. If you would like to become a supporter of the River Talks, you can find the link in the show notes or visit cumberlandrivercompact.org. We hope to see you at our next River Talk in Nashville, Tennessee.